Hi, online campus. It is an honor to be with y'all today. My name is Samantha Littlefield, but my friends call me Sam. And I am the student director at our Menlo Park campus, which means that I get to work with middle school students and high school students on a weekly basis. It's really, really fun and a lot of energy as you would expect. I'm excited to be sharing with you today in our Land Between series. Because uh, I think that there's something just oddly unifying about wilderness seasons. Whether you are in a wilderness season now or you've been in a wilderness season before, the reality is we've all experienced them or will experience them at some point in our lives. And to start, I really just want to be honest with y'all. I have been in a bit of a wilderness season for the past 18 months. And if you're doing the math right now, yes, uh, that does line up to about March of 2020. But as we all have our unique experiences and stories with COVID, uh, mine started with me moving right at the beginning of COVID uh, to come and work here at our Menlo Park campus with students. I was so excited for everything that was ahead and uh, getting to make new friends and living in the Bay Area. Uh, honestly, there were days and moments where I was really confused why God brought me to Menlo at the time that he did. Now, on a very practical level, all of my needs have been met in this past season. And the wilderness that I have experienced may not have felt like a wilderness to other people. As we look at uh, this past year and a half that we've all experienced, I, I know that we all know people who have uh, marriages that have failed, family members who have passed away, jobs that have been lost. There have been some pretty clear things uh, that, that made sense of why some people have felt like this has been a wilderness season. And my situation doesn't necessarily have any of those things. And really, uh, the reality is coming to the Bay Area when I did, ha it had a few perks. One of them being that uh, I didn't experience any traffic for the good first chunk of me living here. No traffic on the roads. That was pretty nice. Uh, I got really familiar with uh, my house plants and all of their watering schedule, which I am still carrying through to today. And in a way that only the Lord could, uh, I got to online date during a global pandemic, which somehow I got to share the hope of Jesus with a handful of people that I matched with. And like many of you, I did the thing of making sourdough bread. And shortly after learning how to make sourdough bread, I, I forgot and, and never really made it again. Um, so the wilderness really wasn't and hasn't been all that bad. But honestly, as the months wore on and uh, as there were days and weeks where everything felt so heavy, I began to notice in myself how easy it was for me to complain and to offer up my, uh, my thoughts to the Lord about the situation that I was in and the hardships that I felt like I was facing. And in this wilderness season that I feel like I've had, I, I will say that I felt God's companionship like a way that I, I never have experienced before. 
And I, I think today that's, that's really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how uh, we live in a paradox where we have a God that meets us in our complaining, and he uses them to cultivate a deep intimacy with us. The interesting thing about this past year is that we all experienced the same thing, a global pandemic, together. But each of our individual experiences have been so different. And in many ways, I think it's similar to the Israelites wandering in in the, the wilderness. They wandered, and every day, every week that passed by, different people were experiencing different pains or emotions in the process of the wilderness. Uh, So I want to look through a little bit at the story of Exodus and and follow a bit of a thread of the Israelites' posture of their hearts as they interacted in the wilderness. And to do that, we're going to continue in the book of Exodus. Uh, And I do want to just take a a minute and remind you that we have a chat feature in uh, in the online platform where if there's if if this stirs anything in you as we are talking today, and you want to pray with someone, uh, make sure and click that button, and someone would be honored to pray with you uh, because that that is a gift that we have even in this online space uh, to be able to hold one another up and pray for each other. So uh, for a moment, I want us to think about the excitement and anticipation that the Israelites would have had for their entrance into the promised land. Uh, You know, leaving Egypt, the promised land, as they were told, was a land flowing with milk and honey. They would be free from slavery, and the land that they were heading to seemed so much better than the land that they were in already. I think we've all had similar moments like this, haven't we? looking ahead with anticipation for your next big vacation or the excitement around the start of a new job, or maybe it's finally reaching retirement or meeting that someone special. It's a time filled with hope and anticipation, but you soon realize that it maybe wasn't all that you imagined it would be. Things begin to crumble around you. Your family maybe didn't seem uh, to get your vision for vacation and they argued a lot more than you were hoping for. The new job isn't stacking up to what you felt like it would be. Retirement finds you yearning for more. And maybe the new person that you're dating who you thought just maybe would be the one ends up not thinking that you were the one disappointment, and discouragement often follow. What is stirred in you in those moments? In those moments of of disappointment, if you're anything like me, coming up with a long list of my frustrations seems relatively easy for me to do. And in seasons of disappointment, offering my complaints to the Lord and maybe telling him how I think things should have played out is relatively easy. The Israelites knew that feeling of disappointment well. Because after all the buildup for the anticipation of what was ahead, the people wouldn't enter into the promised land for another 40 years. The Israelites would wander in the desert aimlessly, waiting for a generation of people to die out so that they could enter into the land that was promised to them. And it's rather discouraging when you think about it. 
a promise given, followed by years of wandering and waiting. And you know, as if the wandering wasn't hard enough, there was something in the water of the community that uh, made this season even more unbearable for the people of Israel than it already was. It was something that affected the old and the young, the men and the women, the leaders and the followers. It was a spirit of grumbling and complaining that took root early in the Israelites fleeing from Egypt and it carried on through their entire time of wandering. So to, to recap the story, to make sure that we're all up to speed, uh, Moses had, had an experience with God at the burning bush where he's told to rescue the people from their bondage and he heads to Egypt to free the people. But when he arrives, uh, things don't really go as planned or maybe as he would have anticipated entering in. The Egyptians end up making life and the workload incredibly difficult for the Israelites. They take away uh, straw, they make them go find the straw and make their own bricks. Uh, and they expect the same workload and, and output from them every single day. So imagine for a second that you are an Israelite. A guy shows up and he says that he is going to take you into a land that was promised to your ancestors. Seems pretty great. Talks about a land uh, flowing with milk and honey. And it's felt like a pretty good deal to be, to be free from the, the slavery that they were in. But after he starts speaking of these plans, your, your life gets incredibly difficult. The workload gets harder. And not to miss a beat, the Israelites in this moment when they recognize the parallel between Moses coming and their workload getting harder, uh, we see one of the first complaints in the book of Exodus. It's in Exodus 5.21. The Israelites look towards Moses and they say, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. They are one for drama, the Israelites here with this complaint. Uh, but what I want you to notice is that the relationship between Moses and the Israelites begins with the people complaining about the way things were happening. Despite the complaint, Moses persists and God shows an incredible amount of power as he brings the 12 plagues on the people of Egypt. After the plagues run through, the Israelites are finally given the green light from the Egyptians uh, to leave. But as you might know, Pharaoh quickly changed his mind about letting the people leave. I would imagine that the reality of his workforce uh, completely abandoning him in this moment would have finally hit him. And so he has his people pursue the Israelites. And we pick up the story in the 14th chapter of Exodus in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. 
for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. The people had just seen God do wonders in Egypt. And the moment that they enter into a situation where fear is heightened, they immediately turn their eyes back to the familiar and they doubt what God is calling them into. At least if they had died in Egypt, uh, they would have been comfortable. It was better to be alive in slavery than face death in the wilderness, they say. And to be honest, put in this situation, I want to confess that I would have been echoing this complaint. Fear would have felt crippling as I heard the word of the Egyptians pursuing us. But the interesting thing about the complaint that the Israelites offered was that uh, it was a It was a complaint soaked in fear, but it was met with God parting the Red Sea and the Israelites walking through on dry land. The Egyptians are swallowed up by the water and Israel makes it safely across. But what I think is important to note is that the habit that formed in the Israelites to complain had taken such a deep root in that beginning stage of their wandering and and of fleeing Egypt that they would soon forget about the provision of God through the parting of the Red Sea and they would forget about the power of the plagues. It would all become so distant as they continued on their journey to the promised land. And to track with it for a moment, because we see this in scripture, I want to look at a few of the complaints uh, that followed shortly after God parted the Red Sea and rescued them from the hands of the Egyptians. First, when it appeared that they had no water to drink in Exodus 15, 24, we see that, and the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? When they grew hungry in Exodus 16, verses two through three, it said, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then again, when they thirsted in Exodus 17, three. But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? You know, I I think it's helpful to note that most of these complaints were super valid. (laughs) Uh, You need food to eat uh, and you need water to drink. But the spirit of complaining had taken such a deep root inside the heart of the Israelites. And and I'll admit, uh, in my own life, it's really hard to take out the roots that have gotten deep inside of me or to change habits that have built up. Now, this might not be something that uh, you struggle with. You know, this could be an Israelite problem and just a me problem. I'm sure you never complain when you don't get what you want. And of course, I'm joking. 
because uh, the reality of our world is it is so easy to complain. We've been conditioned in many ways to look at things with a really critical eye. Uh, in order for us to have a really, really good Yelp review, uh, highly rated when we give all of our critiques about a restaurant that we went to, or social media giving us a little bit of that iron courage behind the keyboard as we offer our opinions freely. Or uh, it feels like often on the right and the left uh, through media outlets, they make their money off of complaining about the other side. So, like the Israelites, I think it can be really easy for us to find things to complain about. But do you know what strikes me about the complaints, the ones I read earlier that, that the Israelites offered to the Lord? God's response again and again was to meet their needs. He satisfied their needs. He gave them water to drink. He freed them from the bondage that enslaved them and he fed them. He provided for their needs for the entire time in the land between. And his response wasn't to withhold the very thing that they were asking for. Did you catch that? They asked for water and food and to be freed from slavery. And God did not withhold that thing. He offered it to them. He met them. Just as he provided the plagues in Egypt to show his power, he used the groanings in the wilderness as an opportunity to provide for their needs, to show their power and to show his care. I wonder if there is any part of you that has maybe withheld bits of yourself from the Lord because you're unsure of how he will respond. If God knew the depth of your fear, if he knew the depth of your doubt, what would he think? I think if what we've already seen in Exodus is any sign, I think that God, even though he already knows it, wants to hear from you and that he would respond with care. Earlier, I shared a verse about one of the first complaints uh, that the Israelites made that's recorded in the book of Exodus. Remember, it, it was when we started talking about how the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and the things were getting difficult with making the bricks. But that complaint uh, that, we, that we saw earlier actually wasn't the first complaint in the book of Exodus. You see, while the people were deeply enslaved in Egypt, before the parting of the Red Sea, before the plagues, before Moses met with God at the burning bush, we read in Exodus 2, 23 through 25, that the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God knew. 
He wasn't surprised about the state of their situation. And from the very beginning, God heard the groaning deep in the hearts of the Israelites. And so as I think about the land between, and as I think about the complaining, I think about how comfortable the Israelites felt with complaining in the wilderness because of the deep sense of knowing that God heard them. From the very beginning, they saw that God heard their cries and that he cared for them. And I wonder if there's any part of you that has closed this this idea off. Or if there's a spot that maybe you've chosen to not bring back up to the Lord because you think that maybe God thinks that you should be over whatever it is that's causing you concern. But I think the land between offers a message for us all. Our gracious God wants to hear the depths of our groanings. He's not far off. He is present with us and he invites us to notice him in, the re- in that reality so that he can help transform us into the people that he wants us to be. As we look at this story, I just wanna take, I wanna offer two takeaways for us. Uh, they are things that I have needed in this past wilderness season and they're things I've been reminded of And I think they are lessons that I will continue to learn in the years ahead and in different lands between in the future. The first is a bit of an add-on to much of what I've been talking about already. Yes, we have a God who wants to hear our complaints and he wants to hear and be invited into everything that's going on. But I think that God cares about the posture of our hearts and our complaining. Because I think that there is a difference between complaining and grumbling. Complaining uh, is communicating your feelings and emotions. You know, for the Israelites, it would have been not having water, not having food. It was the unbearable workload that that they communicated out. They were all fair complaints. And I think that these type of complaints actually create intimacy. It's inviting God into your everyday space and letting him know what's going on and how you're feeling. But grumbling, on the other hand, has a bit of a selfish tone to it. It's complaining, as the Israelites do in Numbers 11, about their desire for meat because they are tired of the manna that God had been providing for them. Or maybe uh, for me, it could be grumbling all day at work about how tired I am uh, without recognizing or acknowledging the fact that it may have had something to do with the fact that I was up late binge watching a favorite new show. It's what we think of in this grumbling of a spoiled child complaining on Christmas because they didn't get exactly that thing that they wanted. This kind of grumbling It creates distance. God cares about the posture of our hearts and he welcomes our complaints because it creates intimacy with him. It invites him into the life that we are experiencing. Now, the second takeaway is a bit of a response to a reality that I think we have to name before closing our time together. 
And it's this, the Israelites who complained, they actually didn't enter into the promised land. They didn't receive the thing that they thought that they would get when they entered into the wilderness. And I think it would be tempting to throw out all that I've said so far because of that reality. Because in our A plus B equals C society, I think it could be easy to look at the story of the Israelites and think that maybe it would have actually been better for them to stay in the land of Egypt. Sure, they they would have been in slavery, but at least they would have had beds and they wouldn't have had to walk around so much. And I think especially in our American society, we want a happy ending where people worked hard and they receive a reward for their hard work. Honestly, I want the generation of Israelites who wandered for so long to make it to the land that was promised to them, but they didn't. And so in some regards, I just wonder, why does it even matter if God welcomes our complaints when we don't get the thing that we've hoped for? It makes me think of uh, the passage in Hebrews 11 and 12 when it's talking about these heroes of the faith and it names Noah and Abraham and Moses. And at the very end of talking about all of these people, it talks about how they did not receive the thing that had been promised to them. They didn't receive what had been promised. That, gosh, seems discouraging. But as I have sat with this story for the past couple of weeks, do you know what I realized? I realized that for the wanderers in the desert, sure, they they didn't walk into the promised land, but they did walk with God through their entire time in the wilderness. The desert wanderers had an opportunity to see God move again and again. They were guided by a cloud, by day, by a fire, by night. They were given, they were provided food, manna in the wilderness to eat every single day. He provided for all of their needs and they were dependent upon his care. Complaint after complaint, he provided and gave them an opportunity to experience a life wandering with him. Their reward wasn't promised land for them in that moment, but their reward in the land between was deep provision of everything that they needed from a loving father. And friend, this is the message I want you to hear today. Sometimes the reward is not the promised land that we had hoped for, but what we are gifted with is walking through life with God. He is with us in all of our wanderings, in all of our hard moments, everything we experience, he is going with us. God met the complaints of the Israelites with radical provision. And I think that he meets our complaints with radical provision too. Just sometimes it doesn't come in the way that we expected. He is a kind God who wanders with us. And even when we don't see him moving or working, we can hold confidently to the promises that he offers us. His guidance and presence is talked about in Isaiah 58, 11, where it says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. 
And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. God loves us too much to let us stay in the place of our complaints. He'll guide us just as he guided the wandering Israelites through different opportunities and invitations to turn to God. So this week, my invitation to you is to turn your gaze to God and allow him to come into your heart in some way this week. Friend, it is good news that our God hears our complaints. He hears our groanings and we can hold to the hope that no matter what land between we are in, he is going with us. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Gracious God, we are grateful for the truths and the reality of your nearness to us in wandering seasons. And God, I pray as I even just think about my own heart and a tendency to turn my complaints into grumbles. God, would you meet me in that this week? Help me with the posture of my own heart. Help me be honest with you about the things that I'm going to going through. But God, help me also remember that you are with me. Help me remember that this week. Help my friends who are watching along today remember that. God, would you go before us? Would you remind us that you're going before us, that you are going with us? and draw us into deeper waters with you. Amen.